Well, it is so good to see you today, and I'm so grateful to be back. I was uh, greeted by someone after the second service who said, uh, if I didn't know you, I wouldn't have missed you. And I said, thank you, I think. What she was saying was that uh, Pastor JP and Pastor Al did a fabulous job in my absence, and I'm so grateful. Uh, it's a... Uh, I missed being here. For those of you who don't know, my family went through the virus, and four out of six of us did, and uh, we are grateful to be back. I, I never had it, so God wanted me to learn to cook and serve and take care of the dog, I guess. Um, yeah, it was great. I'm so glad everybody's healthy now, and I'm really grateful to be back. Um, you know, we, we sang about just a moment ago, we literally invited God to take us to the place where our trust is without borders. We, we ask him to lead us into those spaces where what is really required of us to flow in rhythm with his purpose is a great faith. And for the past, really, two months, I have been thinking and studying about the topic that we're going to cover for the next number of weeks. And I'm convinced that it is critical that the body of Christ embrace this call to dignity. I think dignity should be the primary characteristic of anyone who follows Jesus. Both in the way we interact, both in the way we carry ourselves, which is our deportment, and in the way we interact with the world around us, which is our investment. From a personal perspective, we should be dignified by design. We should live with dignity. It's graceful and gracious. Composed and dignified. Unagitated. A person who conducts themselves with dignity doesn't stir up trouble or unrest. That person is not a provocateur, but a peacemaker. The dignified search not for differences so we can burn bridges, but for points of commonality so we can build them. A dignified person looks to build others up rather than tearing them down. The call, really the mandate from Scripture, was communicated by Paul in this exhortation to the church in Ephesus. He wrote in Ephesians 4.1, As prisoners, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy. Worthy 
of the calling you have received. The dignified life is, it's the worthy life. The portrait of the worthy life was painted by Paul in his letter to Titus. He, he told the young leader, he said, teach older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. The worthy, dignified life is a life of respectability. It gives other, the others the ability to respect you. It, it is lived in the full recognition that we have been graced with the privilege of being sons and daughters of God and we are to think and act as His ambassadors, which means that we will be doing what God would do if He were in our place. We would be saying and treating others as God would treat them if he were in our place. Listen, the dignified life is the life that is conformed to the image of Christ. Where people see Jesus in us. So from a personal perspective, it is imperative that we carry ourselves with dignity. It's God-honoring. From an interpersonal perspective, that means how we relate to other people. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are ambassadors of Christ. And we are to acknowledge and promote the dignity of others. All of them. For believers in Jesus, surely this is a no-brainer, right? Of course we are. We know that all men and women are created equally because we are all of us created in the image of God. So we should acknowledge, promote, and protect the dignity of others. But the sad truth is we struggle to do so. We really struggle. Truth be told, lending dignity to all men and women may be the single greatest challenge of our time and it might be the single greatest need of our day. Why do I say that? When we are acknowledging and promoting someone's dignity. You know what we're doing? We're, we're endorsing their inherent worth. We're endorsing their worth. Meaning, we believe that they were created in dignity and are worthy of esteem. All of them. No matter what. But, in our culture today, the challenge arises because of the way we are conditioned to assign worth to people. 
We, we don't see worth as inherent or intrinsic in humanity because of the way we were created. We believe worth is earned, inherited, or established. We create our earth. I did an experiment just the other night where I googled the names of famous people, just people that came right to my mind, and I typed them in Google, and in the process, you guys know this because Google's omniscient, right? It anticipates what I'm going to say, okay? So as soon as I typed in the name, they list, Google lists for me some links that I can click because they know what I want to know. And in the top four, as a matter of fact, most of the people I typed in, in the top three, the link was to their net worth. Net worth. Google says, because we've demonstrated this to be true, that we want to know what people are worth financially because that makes them worthy. It makes them worthy. Their net worth signals whether or not we should ascribe them dignity. The more worth they have, the more dignity we ascribe. And you might be saying, well, I, don't, I don't think that's true. There are other ways, you know, maybe it's kind of true, but surely there are other ways that we ascribe dignity, that, that we measure worth. And sure, I'll admit, there are some. We value celebrity status. Physical beauty, political power, athletic accomplishments, social media influence, and fame. As a matter of fact, in our culture, there's more value in being famously stupid than being brilliant and unknown. It's true. But what do all these other measures of worth, what do they have in common? They can all be monetized. They can be turned into money. And money increases a person's worth. So, we ascribe dignity to the wealthy, the successful, the powerful, those who have something they can monetize because they have value. But what about those who don't have value? What about the poor? The powerless? The homeless? In our society, they are marginalized. They're denied dignity because they're valueless. Value determines worth and earns the status of the dignified. But look, here, here's, this is true. God's people don't see price tags, do we? Like we, we don't go for all that stuff. We, we don't ascribe dignity because of someone's worth, but because of their creator. Or do we? 
the truth is that the belief in basic human dignity is floundering today, even in the body of Christ, in our status-seeking, truth-bending world. We create truth when we don't like the truth. We establish our truth, which gives us the freedom to determine someone's worth. Tragically, the body of Christ is no different. We reflect the culture. We're not changing it. Let, let me give you an example. I, I think that we would all acknowledge that we're typically great. The body of Christ is typically great with the life of the unborn. Right? I mean, we, we, we understand. We, we stand for the right to life. We believe that from the moment of conception, that precious child is a human being created in the image of God, and we have a duty to protect them. To protect them. But what about the already born? What about them? You know, in 2017, the Barna Research Group found that Americans, when asked if we should accept refugees in a time of crisis, when, when they were being kicked out of their homes and, and had no place to go, when asked, evangelical believers, those who believe in Jesus, were the least welcoming, the least hospitable of all groups. Listen to this. 16% of evangelicals said, yes, we should offer that needy group of people hospitality. You say, well, that, that's politics. And so it's really different from what I believe because I, it, it's different from what I feel about refugees. I feel like they should be taken care of. That There are people with dignity too. And okay, I understand how you feel. But the question that we need to ask is, whether God thinks how we feel and our politics are different. Listen to these two Proverbs from Proverbs 24. Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those who are staggering towards slaughter. If you say, but, but, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know whether you are guarding the life of another? Will he not repay everyone according not to what they thought or not to what they believed, but what they have done? Shouldn't we at least think about this? 
Shouldn't we consider where we are when it comes to the dignity of the already born? Shouldn't we engage in some soul searching to ensure that we are in unison with God and not mindlessly following the lost sheep over the cliff of cold indifference? Shouldn't we? I mean, is it more important to be aligned with your comrades of ideology or to be aligned with your Creator? Either every human being has dignity or they don't. And God knows where we stand on the issue. Does not He who knows the heart perceive? As followers of Jesus, we can't, we can't do what our culture does and create a lineup of people and identify those who have dignity and those who don't. We can't just eliminate them. We are all of us, without exception, Created in the image of God. And we all have dignity that should be promoted and protected. All of us. In Mark 7, Jesus was gathering crowds. He was going around teaching and he, and he called the group together and he said, Listen, you've got to understand this. Listen to me and understand this. Mark seven fifteen. he said, Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles. Now, we understand what he's saying, right? A person is defiled not by what's on the outside, but what's on the inside. It's, it's the heart that counts. By the same token, can't we just apply that understanding of the way God sees the world and responsibly infer that a person is not defined or dignified by what's on the outside? Can't we see that it's what's on the inside that counts? And you know what's on the inside of every person? We are all of us created in the image of God. That's on the inside of every single one of us. It's on the inside of every person, whether we like them or not. Whether they believe what we believe or not. Whether they stand what we stand for or not. We know that, don't we? What's on the inside that counts? Yet, we still fall into this trap of determining dignity, value, and worth by what's on the outside. By what people pile up in all their efforts to be dignified. Most of us, I think, in this room, Maybe not all, and that's okay. We, we, we welcome all thinkers here. Most of us are followers of Jesus. And if we follow Jesus 
through the Gospels, you know what we would find? We would find that there's never been a human being alive who fought harder, stood stronger for the marginalized, for those who were devalued. No one. It's what he did. He came to give them hope. His actions and his interactions confirmed the value, the dignity of all people. You know, in his inner circle, there was a hodgepodge of right and left wing players. There were simple fishermen, conservative, salt of the earth. There was a tax collector, a political zealot, and lots of women who, by the way, in that day and age were cultural taboo. He loved, touched, and healed those who were suffering with skin diseases, lifelong disabilities, and even demon possession. It's those people we might pick out of a lineup and discount them. Jesus welcomed other people's children. His friendship with gluttons and drunkards got him labeled as one. He crossed racial lines promoting dignity, the dignity of the Gentiles and the Samaritans, who his people thought were dogs. And the final person, finally, the first person he welcomed into paradise was a convicted felon. The thief on the cross. Richard Stearns, who is the president of World Vision U.S. and an author, he made this observation again and again. Jesus loved the unlovable. He touched the untouchable. He valued the undervalued and welcomed the unwanted. He changed the price tags. He crossed out the paltry prices that had been assigned to these people and replaced them with the word priceless. He saw people not as just worthy of some simple kindness, but so precious that he would pay the ultimate price for each one of them. From start to finish in his ministry, Jesus indiscriminately acknowledged, promoted, and served the dignity of all but especially the ones we are. Especially the ones who are sick and sinful and devalued. In the beginning of his ministry, Jesus set the tone for this mission of dignity that we are all of us invited to join. And he established the standard. He established what our response should be to all people. I want you to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. We're going to look at three short verses that describe this enormous trend-setting event. Mark chapter 1 beginning in verse 40. 
It says a man with leprosy came to him. He begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him. And he was cleansed. There are three ways I think this event sets the standard for how we're to live. That's the standard for promoting and protecting the dignity of others. First, Jesus interacted with this man who found himself living on the lowest rung of society's ladder of importance. You know what's crazy? That ladder that they were dealing with is the same one we're dealing with. All throughout time, we put people on the ladder. All the while we're trying to climb it. This man, this leper, was a person who was not just diseased and disfigured, but he was labeled untouchable by Jewish law and Roman custom. This was a man that people avoided. Not, not avoided because I just don't know what to say to him. You know, that's, we avoid people if we, don't, if we think we can't help or we don't know what to say. That's not why people avoided him. He was believed to be contagiously cursed by God. No religious or civic leader would come near him. But Jesus did. And the message is clear. Crystal clear. Every person. Every life. Precious to God. Every person. Every life. Is precious to God. Second. Jesus was moved. By this man's plight. Verse 41 in, in the NIV simply says Jesus was indignant. Other versions, if you're reading another version, yours probably says he was moved with compassion. So, which was it? Was it indignation or compassion? Yes. Both. Because they're two sides of the same coin. The Greek word here is one of my favorite Greek words. It's splontnitsamai. It, it, it's a word that means to be moved in the gut. It, it's what stirs us up. Jesus was one in the same, indignant and compassionate. He was indignant to what sin and disease had done to devalue this poor leper. And at the same time, he had compassion and pity on him. His heart broke 
for what put this man in the ditch and for the way he was treated while he was there. You know what, when, when Jesus encountered him, he didn't respond with fear or disgust. He didn't respond with judgment. He, he wasn't going to be influenced by the price tags that their culture had hung on this man's neck. Jesus was moved by love, righteous indignation, and compassion for this man who had been pressed into the margins and thrown into the ditch because of his disease. And the message is clear, crystal clear. We need to react to every person, especially the marginalized, with an active love and compassion that acknowledges, promotes, and serves their dignity. You know, I'm convinced that when we truly believe in another's God-given dignity, we will move to make friends, to meet needs, and make disciples. That's what we do when we see the world as God sees it. So is that what you do? Is that what I do? Because if I'm right, and the right belief leads to the right behavior, then I can look at my behavior and determine what I believe. Third, Jesus not only saw this man's pain, he entered it. He not only felt something, but he did something. When he said, you can heal me if you are willing, Jesus said, I am willing. Be healed. And immediately, he was cleansed. There, there are two words in the New Testament that are used to communicate the will. Okay, one of those words is, it, it, it's a word that describes a person who believes what's right and agrees with it, even wants it, wills it, but stops short of doing it. And then there's the other one that wills what's right, believes what's right, and does what's right. When Jesus said, I am willing, he was saying, look, I'm going to do what it takes here. So he sprang into action. He leveraged his divine power to correct the indignity. And the message is clear. 
crystal clear. As followers of Jesus, we are called to reach into the dignity denying brokenness of our world and do something about it. There are two questions that we have to answer today that we're going to explore throughout this series. And we're going to start today. Who are the lepers in your world? And what are you going to do about it? Who are they? Refugees? Muslims? Atheists? Democrats? Or Republicans? Are they people with physical and mental disabilities? Is it the homosexuals? Or the homeless? Is it people who favor gun control? Or is it the ones who own the guns? Is it people whose skin color is different from your own or who were born in a different country? Is it people who make more money than you do or people who make less money than you do? Is it people who have a different accent than the one you have because of where God graced you to live? The fact is that when we look at people through distorted, these distorted lenses of our own making, through politics and culture and patriotism and fear, we fail to see them as God sees them. We put them in a lineup and we say, dignity, dignity, nope, no dignity, worthless. Who are your lepers? what are you willing to do for them? Will you respond in unison with our culture, in keeping with our ideological and Facebook comrades who esteem some and reduce others to nothingness? Or will we respond in harmony with God? And value every person because they are created in his image. Listen, in his eyes, in God's eyes, according to Psalm 139, everyone is fearfully and wonderfully made in his image, not defined by what's on the outside, but what's on the inside, what was put there in creation and what is redeemed through salvation. All of us are made with dignity, and we are all precious in His sight. That's the view of humanity that we need to embrace. And when we do it, it will lead us to respond to others with love and compassion, just like Jesus, who reached out and touched the leper. And who, by the way, has reached out and touched us to restore our dignity as well. Listen, from a spiritual perspective, we are all isolated from God because of our sin. And sin diminishes the once glorious dignity that, was, that we were created with. It doesn't do away with it. It's there. We're still created in the image of God. But it's 
clouded. It's been distorted. And the same love and compassion that drove Jesus to touch that leper drove Jesus to touch us when he climbed up on that cross voluntarily and spread out his arms to die for you and I. He was reaching out, arms open wide to welcome us. It's the mission of dignity. If, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, listen, this is what it's all about. Christ Jesus loved you so much that he stepped out of eternity and into time, lived a perfect life, voluntarily died without dignity, humiliated and hung on the cross so you could be reconnected with your Creator. He did that because He loves you, because you have value. And if you've made a God out of the pursuit of the world's applause, out of pursuit of what the world says will bring you dignity, I, I've got some really good news it's much easier than that. What you're looking for comes through faith in Jesus Christ, who bids you come to Him. Just come. Come and believe. And He'll make you whole. If you aren't a believer in Jesus, there is no better day than this one to step into the beautiful, dignified life He created you for. Today, receive His touch. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer, then rest assured that Jesus has affirmed, restored, and is protecting your dignity. And your responsibility as his ambassador is to do the same for others. Our responsibility. Listen, I said earlier that this might be the, the greatest challenge and the greatest need of our day. The reason is because we live in a culture where we must destroy others. Where we are compelled to put people in their place and be sure that everybody knows exactly where we stand and we're right and they're wrong and are worthless. The body of Christ has to be different. As his ambassadors, we represent the one who died for us. When, when people look at us, if, if we're living a dignified life, they experience Jesus. And what's the key to living a dignified life? Promoting, protecting, and serving the dignity of others, all of them. Whether we like them or not. And whether they like us or not. 
It's about dignity. Living with dignity and gracing others with it. Let's bow our heads and go before the Lord today. If you're not a believer in Jesus, He is crazy about you. He died on the cross to offer you forgiveness, a connection with your Creator, and to begin the process of the restoration of the dignity you were created with. Will you open your heart and place your faith in Jesus today? How do you do that? You just say, Lord, I, I, I believe. Like that leper who knelt down before him, you, you come to Jesus and say, touch me, forgive me, heal me. And the scripture says you will be transformed through his love and grace. Father, lead those who are not following to trust the easy, dignifying rhythms of your grace and become followers of Jesus. And Father, for those of us who are followers, forgive us. We repent of reflecting the image of our culture and not the image of our Creator. Help us, Lord, to search for and take advantage of opportunities to offer dignity, to celebrate, promote, and protect the dignity of those who have been discarded by our culture. Lord, we look forward to what you're going to say and how you're going to lead through this series. And we open ourselves to be available to you to be on the mission of dignity. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. You know, I want to take a second just before we wrap up and want to give us an opportunity if, if God's moving in your heart to to figure out what it looks like to take that next step, to, to open that next chapter, to, to move in that next direction. If you're here on campus, we would love for you to come grab myself or Pastor Chris and have that conversation with us. We'd love to share that journey with you, hear that story, help you in the next chapter of, of what that looks like to follow Christ, to start a relationship with him, to, to move in the direction of the dignity that was given to us. We want to be a part of that journey with you. If you're, you're online with us, we'd love for you to let us know, share that story with us. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's becoming a part of the community here. Maybe it's something that God has, has laid on your heart to help you move in that direction, to, to show dignity to everyone, no matter who it is. We, we want to hear that story from you. If, again, you're online. We'd love to hear that info at skycrestfamily.org. Let us know. Let us be able to share that story with you and see how God moves in that direction. We're excited to see how God is going to move and what he's going to do. I'm going to pray in just a moment, and we're just going to continue worshiping Jesus as we leave here today. Father God, we love you. We, we thank you for today and the opportunity that we have to worship you, God. And I pray that if anyone has made the decision to, man, to begin that relationship with you, that today they would mark that time and let us know and let's be a part of that journey with them. God, we love you. We thank you for today and keep us safe this week, God, and remind us every day, God, who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and finish worshiping Jesus.